Welcome to the Military History Mini Podcast, Episode 3, and today we are going to cover the most interesting story of vengeance that you have never heard, the story of a Moldovian Jew who, after watching his family gunned down in a concentration camp, joined the French Foreign Legion after going AWOL in the Israeli Navy, tracked down the murderer, killed him, finished his time in the Legion, and returned for a court-martial back in Israel. Let's get started. On May 8th, 1954, the Foreign Legion had fought its last battle in Indochina. The last chapter of the Foreign Legion's colorful history in Asia was written, in all places though, the drab surroundings of an Israeli Navy court-martial in May of 1958. The defendant was a 25-year-old man in the neat white uniform of the Israeli enlisted seaman. Elihu Itzkovitz was charged with desertion from the Israeli Navy, but his case was not an ordinary one, for he deserted from a peacetime hitch in Hafia to a 27-month ordeal with the French Foreign Legion in Indochina. Elihu had grown up in a small town in eastern Romania when the country threw itself in with the Nazis in the beginning of World War II. Soon, the Romanian leader began to emulate all the tactics of the Nazis, his own version of the brown shirts calling itself the Iron Guard and practicing mass murder on a large scale. In fact, according to the British writer Edward Crankshaw in his book Gestapo, they offended the Germans on the spot by not troubling to bury their victims, and they offended the RSHA by their failure to keep proper records of their uncontrolled looting. The RSHA was the administrative section of the Nazi police in charge of mass executions. If that tells you anything about the kind of people that Elihu would be dealing with, they were reckless, aimless murderers. So let's get back into the story. The Itzkovitz family did not escape the collective fate of the Romanian Jews. Elihu and his parents and three brothers were sent to a concentration camp no better and no worse than most Eastern European camps. One lived in a few days to a few weeks and died from a wide variety of causes, mostly beating and shooting. Romanian camps were not as well equipped as their German models, the death factories of Auschwitz, with their sophisticated gas chambers. Again, according to Crankshaw, the Romanians showed great aptitude for mass murder and conducted their own massacres in Odessa and elsewhere. And the Itzkovitz family paid its price. Within a short time, only Elihu, the youngest boy, had survived. But he had seen his family die, and he had remembered who killed it. It had been one particular brute, not the coldly efficient SS type, but a Romanian from a town not too far away from his own town and who enjoyed his new job. And Elihu swore that he would kill the man if it took all of his life to do it. More than anything else, it was probably that hatred which kept him alive. And he was a skeleton, but a living one, when the Russians finally liberated him in 1944. Elihu then began his patient search from town to town, of course, Stanescu, or whatever name the brute had assumed in the meantime, had not returned to his hometown for good reasons. But Elihu found his son there and took his first revenge. He stabbed the son with a butcher knife, and in 1947, Romanian's people court sentenced him to five years in reformatory for juveniles. Elihu served his time, but he did not forget. His family's murder was still at large, and he had sworn to kill him. In 1952, he was finally released and given permission by the communist authorities to immigrate to Israel, where he was drafted into the Israeli army in 1953 
and assigned to the Paris. Training was rigorous in the sun-drenched barracks and the stubby fields of South Israel, and thoughts of revenge had become all but dim memory. There was a new life to be lived here, among the people from all corners of the world who still streamed in and who from Germans, Poles, Indians, Yemenites, and other Romanians became Israelis. To be sure, Elihu still met some of his Romanian friends and talked often of the old country, talked of the wars and the horrors of the prosecution. Camps and torturers were listed as matter-of-factly, like particularly tough schools or demanding teachers, and Stanisu came up quite naturally. That son of a bitch made it. He got out before the Russians could get him, said a recent arrival. Then he fled to West Germany and tried to register as a DP, but they got wise to him, and before they could report him, he was gone again. Elihu's heartbeat had stopped for an instant. When it resumed its normal rhythm, he had shaken off the tuper of peace and army life. He was on the hunt again. Do you know where Stenesu went then? Do you have any idea at all? Well, somebody said that he had gone to Offenburg in the French zone, where they recruit people for the French Foreign Legion, and that he enlisted for service in Indochina. The French are fighting there, you know. On the next day, Elihu's mind was made up. He reported to his commanding officer and applied to transfer for the Israeli Navy. He liked the sea. He had learned something about it while in Romania, which borders the Black Sea, and would be happier aboard a ship than as a paratrooper. A few days later, the request was granted, and Elihu was on his way to a small force of Israeli corvettes and destroyers. A few months later, the opportunity he had been waiting for came true. His ship was assigned to go to Italy and pick up equipment. In Genoa, Seaman Itzkovitz applied for shore leave and simply walked off the ship, took a train to France, and crossed over without the slightest difficulty. Three days later, he had signed his enlistment papers in Marseille and was en route to Algeria, the headquarters and boot camp of the Foreign Legion. And again, three months later, he was aboard the SS Pasteur on his way to Indochina. Once in the Foreign Legion, Stanisus' trail was not too hard to find. While no unit was made up of a single nationality, each unit would have its little groups and informal clans according to language or national origin. It took patience, but early in 1954, he had located his quarry in 3rd Foreign Legion Infantry. The last step was the easiest. The Foreign Legion generally did not object if a man requested a transfer in order to be with his friends, and Elihu's request to be transferred to Stanisu's battalion came through in a perfectly routine fashion. When Elihu saw Stanisu again after 10 years, he felt no particular wave of hatred as he had somehow expected. After having spent 10 years imagining the moment of meeting the killer of his family eye to eye, the materialization of the moment could only be an anticlimax. Stanisu had barely changed. He had perhaps thinned down a bit from the Legion. As for Elihu, he had been a frightened boy of 13 and was now a strapping young man, bronzed from his two years of training with the Israeli paratroopers, the Navy, and the French Foreign Legion. There was nothing left to do for Elihu but to arrange a suitable occasion for the execution. For in his eyes, the murder of Stanisou would be an execution. Stanisou, his name of course was no longer that, had become a corporal and led his squad competently. The new arrival also turned out to be a competent soldier. A bit tactician perhaps, but good. In fact, he was perhaps better trained than the run of the mill that came out of the Legion boot camp these days. He was a good man to have along in the patrol. And it was on a patrol that Stanisou met his fate. In one of the last desperate battles along Road 18, 
between Bakhnin and Seven Pagodas. He and Elihu had gone on a reconnaissance into the bushes on the side of the road when the Viet Minh opened fire from 100 yards away. Both men slumped down into the mud. There was no cause for fear. The rest of the squad was close by on the road and would cover their retreat. Elihu was a few paces to the side and behind Stanisu. Stanisu, he called out. And Stanisu turned around and stared at Elihu. And Elihu continued in Romanian. You're Stanisu, aren't you? The man, the chest of his uniform black from the mud which he had been laying, looked at Elihu more in surprise than in fear. For all he knew, Elihu might have been a friend of his son, a kid from the neighborhood back home in Chisinau. Yes, but Stanisu, said Elihu in a perfectly even voice. I'm one of the Jews from Chisinau. And he emptied the clip of his Mat 49 Tommy gun into the man's chest. He dragged the body back to the road. A legionnaire never left a comrade behind. Tough luck, said one of the men in the platoon sympathetically. He was Romanian just like you, wasn't he? Yes, said Elihu, just like me. The search had ended and the deed was done. Elihu was now at peace with himself and the world. He served out his time with the legion, received his papers certifying that he had served with honor and fidelity, and mustered out in France. There was nothing left for him to do but go home to Israel. The Israeli armed forces attaché in Paris at first refused to believe the incredible story, but the facts were soon verified with the French authorities, and a few weeks later, Elihu was on his way back to Israel. In Israel, two Israeli MPs, perfect copies of their British models with their glistening white canvas belts and pistol holders, took charge of him, and soon the gates of the military prison were closed behind him. Three Israeli Navy judges rose. Seaman Itzkovitz stood stiffly at attention as a preceding judge read out the judgment. And in the view of the circumstances of the case, a court of the state of Israel cannot bring itself to impose a heavy sentence. One year's imprisonment. The story of Elihu Itzkovitz was first brought to light in the 1961 book, which I just read from, Street Without Joy by Bernard Fall, and again in the 1964 book by Charles Mercer, Legion of Strangers. It was reiterated again in a 1975 book known as Jews and the Foreign Legion. Finally, in 2019, Gabriel Joshua Sada, who claims to have been a friend of Itzkovitz, published a book of the story in French titled Revenge of a Jewish Child. I have not been able to find an English copy of the book and would like to read it in the future. But nonetheless, his service record could be summarized as this. Born in Chisinau, Moldova. Allegiance, militarily, Israel, 1952 to 1953. French Foreign Legion, 1953 to 1958. Israeli Navy, 1958, until end of prison sentence. What a fascinating story of the 3rd Foreign Infantry Regiment of the French Foreign Legion. I mean, someone who lived through what was almost indefinitely the hardest conditions in modern or recent human history being the Holocaust in a place that was to be quoted by the Germans as 
more acutely violent and less organized than even the SS. And to go through the work and the trouble to cross the world over to go find his family's murder is probably the, the most interesting story of revenge and hence the most interesting story you've probably never heard.